Let us pray. Lord, as we prepare now for the reading of your word, though it was written so long ago, we ask that these words come alive for us today. That your Holy Spirit will take them and lift them off the page and place them into our hearts in a way that will shape us and make us more Christ-like people. We ask that you bless this time that we have in the presence of your Spirit and that you clear away our distractions and that you help us to be sensitive to the movings and the teachings of your Spirit. Bless this time that we have in the presence of each other, that we will be sharpened as a community and that we will grow together in grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. If you saw on the front of your bulletin today, there was a um, a hymn, uh, a hymn 51. It's written by Charles Wesley, and uh, that was just you know four of the nine verses. And Wesley wrote, uh, Charles Wesley wrote, literally thousands of hymns, uh, many of which didn't have names at all, and they were just compiled in, in, in volumes. Uh, throughout the the season of Lent. Um, we're going to have some some different lyrics each week on the uh, the front of the the bulletin. These uh, hymns by Charles Wesley, and all of them in some way pertain to our journey to the cross and and our spiritual journey, and and uh, particularly are good for us during the season of Lent. Also on Wednesday nights, what we're going to do is we're going to take some of Charles Wesley's hymns and we're going to uh, discuss the uh, sort of the the theol- the theological significance of them and what they say and how we can live that out in our lives. So that'll be a series that goes on through uh, the Wednesdays in Lent. 
And then on the Sundays, starting today, we're doing a, a new series on the means of grace, which is what uh, John Wesley basically uh, referred to as the ways, the physical ways in which God's grace becomes present in our lives. And for John Wesley, uh, the, the way he saw it was that grace is, is an invisible thing, right? It's intangible. You can't hold it. You can't see it. It's invisible. But it's very spiritual because it comes from God. Much like love does or peace does, all of these good things that are spiritual qualities because they are born of God and then shared with us, but they are, they're intangible. We can't see them. So these, these spiritual things that are given to us by God, since we are physical creatures, we experience them in a physical way. And so John Wesley had these things that he called the means of grace, which were activities or, or physical things that, that we participated in. And by our participation in those things, we could experience God's grace in, uh, in that time. So that, that is the, uh, the series we are beginning now. And, and I felt that since this is the season of Lent, it's the first Sunday in Lent, it would be appropriate to start the season off with the means of grace uh, that is known as fasting. Now, when we talk about fasting, often we think of it in the, uh, the traditional sense, the way it's most often used in Scripture, and even the way Wesley for, for many years understood it to mean, which is just strictly denying ourselves of, of food for a period of time. And as you saw in this text that we just read, that was, that was certainly what Jesus was doing. When he went into the wilderness, he was denying himself food, which is why the, the devil came to him and tried to, to tempt him with, with bread. Uh, but fasting can also mean some other things. It doesn't necessarily mean a denial of food. Uh, fasting basically means uh, just an act of uh, self-sacrifice, an act of self-denial or abstinence. And during Lent, we uh, observe fasting in many different ways. We might fast from television. We might fast from our cell phones or from social media. We might fast from uh, food, but maybe it's a certain kind of food. Maybe we fast from uh, chocolate or, or caffeine or, or something like that. But the idea is that we are giving up something intentionally because we, we want that to be replaced with something greater. We are surrendering a physical craving in the hopes that, that something spiritual will be given to us in exchange. In other words, when we fast, when we abstained, we too are claiming to, uh, to believe in the means of grace, as Wesley put it. Now, this, uh, when Jesus went into the wilderness and he fasted, this was the beginning of his journey to the cross. Um, he had just been baptized, and the, the Spirit descended upon him and said, This is my Son, and, and, and whom I am well pleased. And immediately after that, before he called his disciples, before he began teaching in the synagogues, and before he began the, the miracles and all that, before anything, as soon as the, uh, he was baptized and the Spirit descended upon him, what did he do? He went in the wilderness to fast. His journey to the cross began with this, this act of self-denial, this act of fasting. And then throughout his ministry, as he called other people to go with him on this journey, what did he say? He said, follow me. 
And he didn't mean that in a sense that, you know, walk, walk behind me. I want to lead the way here. What he meant was, do as I do. Come with me on this journey. Live as I live. And so for Jesus, someone who began his journey fasting, he began his journey with this, this act of self-denial, he wanted those who followed him to also live lives of self-denial. And that's why he would say, when someone says, what, what should I do? How do I follow you? He would say, take up your cross and follow me. In other words, you know where I'm going. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. You're going to have to give up things. Take up your cross daily and follow me. We have to live a life of sacrifice. We have to live a life of abstinence from time to time. Now, John Wesley saw this, he believed this, and he, he felt that if Jesus was fasting and we're supposed to be followers of Jesus, then that meant that we were to be fasting. John Wesley looked at scriptures like the one that we just read, and he, he saw that as Jesus fasted, that grace surrounded him before the moment, in the moment, and after the moment. We see right there at the beginning of the passage, it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Now, we've talked before about the different types of grace, and, and there's, there's a type of grace that goes before us, if you'll remember. It's called prevenient grace, and we don't always see it at work. But it's the grace that begins working on us or the, the grace that, that begins to set our circumstances and opening doors before we even are aware of it. And it's, it's God's Spirit going before us and preparing us and preparing the circumstances for us to step more fully into His grace. And we can say that this, this was a form of provenient grace, that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness because God had in mind what, what was going to happen. God knew that Jesus was going to be tested there, but the Spirit led him there. The Spirit made it possible. It went before him. And then when he, he got there, it was grace that gave him the strength. Grace gave him the strength to say no. Even in the midst of his, his fast, as he was probably starving, it was grace that gave him strength beyond human strength. Because I can tell you right now, human strength is never enough to abstain for it, from anything for a, a given length of time. Our children uh, this, this year sort of just became really aware, I think, of what Lent is. They, they've both been asking a lot of questions. Well, what is Lent? What does it mean? Why, why do you and Mommy give up things for Lent? And so, you know, we told them about it. And we didn't really pressure them. We didn't say, okay, y'all need to give up stuff for Lent. We, we kind of let them, you know, think about it on their own. And what I found out is that kids also have no willpower, just like we have no willpower. <laughs> Hannah Claire decided, okay, Hannah Claire has never climbed a tree in her life, at least not that I know of. But she decided for Lent she was going to give up climbing trees. Liam told me that he was going to give up playing on the grand playground at school. And then a day or two later, he came back and told me, no, no, all my friends were playing on that playground today, so I need to, I need to find something else. And we play music at, at, the, at the parsonage. We'll put on records sometimes, or we'll, we'll play music from my phone maybe, and, and the kids will get up and dance, and they'll just have a good time to it. And so Liam decided, since it wasn't going to be the grand playground, he would give up dancing for Lent. 
Well, on Friday, we started playing some music, and uh, Liam started getting upset. He said, please don't play that. Please don't. And I said, why? He said, I gave up dancing for Lent. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not making you dance. You don't have to do it. And he's sitting there, and you can see the wheels in his head turning. And he starts thinking, uh, what, what else could I give up? What? <laughs> And he named three or four things that were all things that he doesn't do or he doesn't think about. And I kind of told him, I said, Liam, it doesn't really work that way. You don't give up things that you want to give up. It's you give up things that you know are going to be hard. And eventually he decided that he would give up chocolate for Lent. And uh, I'm guessing that'll last until the next time chocolate is in front of him. But he, uh, the, the point is, all of us, it's in our human nature to, to go back on, on those things that we want to abstain from, those commitments we make that are, uh, we, we say we're not going to let ourselves become enslaved to that, 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 that passion or that desire or whatever it is. We're going to break away from that. But on our own, we really can't. We need something stronger. And just as Christ experienced grace in the wilderness to give him the strength to say no, we too can experience grace in the moment to give us the strength to say no. And that's why Wesley, John Wesley thought that this was a means of grace because we, we can say we don't want to eat, we can say that we want to give something up or we want to abstain, but unless God's grace is there helping us through it, we really can't do it. And then, as, just as the grace led Jesus into the wilderness, grace sustained him, grace gave him the power to say no, Grace also ministered to him after the temptation. It says the angels came and ministered to him and comforted him. And so even in that moment when, when he was exhausted and when he was tired, God sent messengers to him, angels to him, to, to heal him and to comfort him. And so John Wesley looked at all these things and said, if it worked for Jesus and we're supposed to follow Jesus, then it would work for us. And, and the grace will surround us in the moment of our abstinence. John Wesley also saw that it, uh, fasting and abstinence was important for the early Christians and for the early church. In the book of Acts, uh, when the, the early Christians got together at, at Antioch, they, they committed to fasting and praying. And it was there in that moment, in that time of fasting, that God told them, okay, set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work which I've called them to do, and send them. And, and many of us know uh, Paul as the first missionary. Thirteen of our 27 books in the New Testament were written because of Paul's missionary journeys. And you can say that all of that began, all of Christianity was changed, it was spread throughout uh, the earth because of the disciples' fasting. Because it was during that time of fasting that God spoke to them and said, send Paul and Barnabas. And the earth was changed forever because of it. Because of that commitment to fast and to pray. John Wesley also saw how it worked in his own time. In 1756, England was uh, under threat of invasion from France. And the king of Britain said, called for a, a national fast. And everyone in, in Britain committed to fasting and praying that they wouldn't be invaded by France. And on the, about that day, John Wesley said, That fast was a glorious day, such as London has scarce seen since the Restoration. 
Every church in the city was more than full, and a solemn seriousness sat on every face. Surely God heareth prayer, and there will be yet there will yet be a lengthening of our tranquility. And he was right. Britain was never invaded by France. And, uh, and, and Wesley saw all the churches in London fasting, all the, all the churches gathering that day and fasting and committing to prayer, and he saw the power of it and how it worked. So Wesley saw the, the biblical example, and he saw the, the early church do it, he saw Jesus do it, and then he saw how it worked in his own life or, or in the world around him, and he decided to apply it to his own life. And Wesley committed to fasting routinely. Now, uh, he, he did go a little overboard with it at times. There were times where he fasted too much for too long, and, it, and his health declined, and he had to realize that he was overdoing it. Uh, but, but he committed to weekly fasting, and he preached to others that they should fast on a, on a regular basis. Because he said that the more often we do it, the more routine we are in denying ourselves something the more we remind ourselves how much we need God's grace, how much we need the spiritual to replace the physical. Now, uh, Wesley, like I said, he, he adapted a little bit in his philosophy on fasting. Initially, it was just about food, and initially he was fasting two days a week, and he was requiring all, his, uh, all the people he ordained to do the same. But later in life, he started realizing not everybody can fast from food for an entire day because of health reasons. Not everybody has the capability to do this. And, not, and certainly not everybody has the capability to do it twice a week. Uh, so uh, Wesley began to say, okay, well, fasting isn't so much the fact that you need to be rigid and do it twice a week or, or once a week, abstain from food for a full day. But basically you need to get in the habit of consistently... Um, living in abstinence of something, to live in this, this, this type of self-denial. And that's what we do during Lent. We say, okay, we're, we're going to remind ourselves that, that we are, are fleshly creatures, we are bodily people with, with these urges and these passions and, and these hungers, but we have to, to deny ourselves because we can't fully follow Christ with a whole uh, heart and with a committed heart if we are just giving in to every whim of our, our body. So abstinence is a way for us to say that the things of heaven are more important than the things of earth. It's a way for us to say that we are more committed to attaining grace, which we cannot see, than we are to obtaining uh, whatever it is that we, are, we have decided to give up. You see, the flesh binds us. We are here as, as fleshly creatures, physical creatures, mortal creatures. But that ends. Our soul moves on. Our spirit is, is what calls out to God. It is from a deeper place than just our body that, that we desire to be in fellowship with God. And we can do that through grace, which is a spiritual thing. It transcends our bodies. It transcends hunger or, or television, or anything that, that, uh, that itches our, our physical desires and cravings. And that's why abstinence is important uh, for us, so that we can be reminded that the things of heaven are far superior than the things of earth. You see, it's because of grace, provenient grace, justifying grace, sanctifying grace, any form of grace, it's because of those 
that we can have a relationship with God. But we have to be willing to seek God out with our whole hearts. And we can't seek him out with our whole hearts if there is never any self-denial. If we are not willing to deny our own hungers and passions from time to time, how can we say that our truest commitment is to following Christ, who lived a life of self-denial? Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He had already begun his journey to the cross. And he was inviting anyone who was willing to deny themselves to join him on that journey. And it's a difficult journey. It's a difficult life that God requires of us. But it's a life that is possible because of his grace. His grace will sustain us. His grace will give us strength. And by his grace, he will bring angels to minister to us in our deepest time of need. Let us pray. Lord, just as Jesus denied himself, just as he bore the cross, just as he gave up his, his own fleshly desires to pursue righteousness, Lord, we ask that you give us the grace and the strength to do the same. We ask that you allow us to see fasting or abstaining or self-denial as a means of grace, a channel through which you impart uh, an extra measure of your, your grace and your love to us. And we can step deeper into our relationship with you because we are no longer focused on our own desires, but on your desire for us. Give us strength for the journey, Lord, and send your angels to minister to us in our deepest time of need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please turn with me in your hymnal to page 12. As today is Holy Communion Sunday. We have the opportunity of experiencing Christ and experiencing God's grace through the sacraments of bread and wine. And I want to take this opportunity to remind you that this table is it's not the church's table. It's not my table. This is God's table, and all are welcome to it. Because Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.